the Summer Skate Studios behind the mask hockey shops present College Hockey Southwest Live for March 27th, 2022. Tonight's scheduled guest, Huskies Productions, Nick Maxson. Behind the mask, College Hockey Southwest Live is brought to you by Peterson Toyota. College graduate, member of the military, and you might be eligible for a special rebate or discount. See us at petersontoyota.com. Top Golf. Let us help you reimagine your next business meeting or team building event. See your regional center or go to topgolf.com. The NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to NCHC.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to behindthemask.com, whether you're on ice or in line. Jets Pizza. Whether it's our legendary Detroit-style square or New York-style thin crust, Jets Pizza is better because it has to be. Two locations in Arizona, six in Colorado. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, whether it's Las Vegas or any of our other worldwide properties, an iconic vacation awaits you at any of our destinations. Metro by T-Mobile. Get 50% off or more when you add a line to a new or existing account. Buy Burrito Express, six East Valley locations for fresh, fast, authentic Mexican food. M-Drive, natural support for men looking to increase energy, drive, and strength. Always free delivery at mdriveformen.com. Summer skates, whether our original red or new black shower shoes, show your game and style at summerskates.com. And by Drurians and Sweets, travel happy again. Book your next stay at DruryHotels.com or at 1-800-DRURY-IN. College Hockey Southwest Live from the Summer Skate Studios, presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live. Indeed it is College Hockey Southwest Live, the NCAA staple show. Not the special show, but a special show. How about that? Because it is a wrap-up of the uh, NCAA regional tournaments. We now have a uh, Frozen Four, and uh, it's good. We're going to talk about it tonight. Scott Strandy with you from uh, Centennial, Colorado. My co-host, as always, Paul Hornstein from 10 feet below sea level in uh, on Long Island. Ooh, almost slipped up. That would have been a nasty one on Long Island, New York. And uh, the three-headed monster is joining us tonight. Nick Maxson is with us from, I think, somewhere in the Twin Cities where it's a balmy, what, 15 degrees? It's uh, somewhere above zero, which means it's uh, we're living in good times up here in Minnesota. Yes, it's not that much warmer here. I, I I can promise you that, and I am cranky as crap. Guys, guys, can you hold on a minute? I got to turn the air conditioning up. It's uh, seventy-seven here today. Um, hold on one second. Let me turn that air conditioning up. Just uh, I don't want to. You know, there's some air conditioning that's uh, you know headed over in St. Paul, the Minnesota Wild, knocking off Colorado here this afternoon. Yeah, so that, I, I heard. Cow. What I a heard. game that was! Um, yeah. you know, so there's there's a little there's a little heat here in the Twin Cities, just unfortunately not where I'm at. So, oh, <laughs> uh-huh. guys, it's great to have you in. We have uh, four finalists. Um, it probably is the best four teams uh, 
for most of the year. Um, I, I've told everybody that would listen to me, I didn't trust no Western body. Michigan. I don't believe in Western Michigan. I didn't believe in Western Michigan. How they ever ended up as the uh, as uh, one of the top seeds in the regional, I'll never know. But um, right now we've got Michigan and Denver, Minnesota and Minnesota State. Sign me up for that Frozen Four. That's going to be one of the best maybe ever. Nick, let's start with you. What do you think? It's going to be, wow. I mean, as far as skill is, you know, you're talking skill and depth on, on both of these, uh, not to say both, all four of these squads. Uh, holy cow, uh, Michigan, uh, you know, you could argue some of the best constructed young talent that we've seen and over a decade in college hockey. Uh, Denver with its incredible balance up and down the lineup. And then you've got, you know, probably one of the hotter teams in the NCAA in Minnesota coming in and then what has been, arguably the best team all season from front to back in Minnesota state. Uh, this is going to be some great matchups and it, uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch. That's for sure. Paul, Paul, who's the best goaltender in that four? Um, <laughs> that's easy. He's going to say Magnus Corona, isn't he? Uh, yeah, no. Um, I'm actually going to say it's the guy wearing purple and gold. Um, and is named after a goalie. And Dryden McKay, and um, if one of these other three teams had them, had that guy, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so your thoughts on these four, Paul? Uh, kind of what you expected, not what you expected? I don't know. Is there a difference between what I expected and what I wanted? <laughs> I don't Could know. Be, sometimes. Yeah, that's up to you. <laughs> For St. Cloud fans, we wanted uh, St. Cloud to, uh, to to make it back to a national championship game. However, what we expected was that probably wasn't going to happen. And unfortunately, our, our hopes and dreams were shattered in, in round one. So, I don't, yeah. You know, this is going to sound crazy, but I mean, let's face it. Most of these games were one goal games. They were very tight. Um, uh, we also kind of expected this to be the rare chalk tournament. Because well, if you kick Michigan, Western Michigan out, it is chalk. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I mean, Western Michigan losing to Minnesota is not um, by any stretch of the mag- the imagination. Uh, a, a shocking result. And if Western Michigan had won, it wouldn't have shocked me either. Would have shocked me. <laughs> well, they've been shocking you all year long. Uh, th- that team, I, I've said this all year, guys, that team is two and a half lines at best. Right. And once you get past the first two lines, um, they, they can't compete. They just can't compete. And uh, they've gotten fortunate that they're able to uh, get to where they were at. Um, they caught teams at the right time, and when they caught teams at the wrong time, this is what happened. So, first of all, how do sorry, you get, Western. I'm sorry. How do, you, how do you get fortunate at 26 and 12? Which, uh, by the way, is the same I wouldn't, that that other marooning gold team has. You know, I, I don't know if fortune is the word, Scott, but what, what I would say is, you know, the style of play Western Michigan does, you know, hand over teams, it's tough to sustain that level of success over the course of the entire season. Uh, you know, you know, when it's, it's a physical first, it's a, it's a very gritty type style. Uh, but as, as we see, you know, when we get to playoff time, it's the skill that ends up, 
usually, you know, coming forward and, and winning hockey games and whether it's skill offensively or just good structure defensively and having skill on the back end, or if you're Minnesota state, having the best goaltender in the country still left standing and Dryden McKay, I still think Ryan Fanti has still had a heck of a season. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, for Western Michigan, again, their depth up front, especially is what hurt them. Um, you know, and I think over the course of a season, they're, they're able to weather the storm, um, you know, with, with having success, but, and unfortunately, you know, I just don't think that that kind of bruising style of play, uh, you know, at least for a college team is successful down the stretch and in, in playoff time. Well, it was only one, nothing going into the third period. The problem is you gave Minnesota. They don't have any play. depth. You, you gave them a power play and, you know, they have a lot of players that like that extra space on the ice. And that's basically what put them away. And it was 30 seconds into the second period, uh, the third period too. So that did not help them any. Yeah. It didn't help. Uh, you're not, no. you're not going to be able to sell me on Western Michigan. If you uh, gave me a million dollars on the deal, I'm still not sold on what on Western Michigan, but I just okay. to win just despite they're you. Out. They're out. And uh, I think the four best teams are in, as I said. Um, let, let's talk about these regional finals because I was at the one here in Loveland, obviously, and um, Denver came out flying. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it because I know uh, Paul had things going on and, and Nick is probably in the air somewhere. <laughs> but but um, Denver came out and outshot UMD 26-7 to 7, uh, in shot attempts in the uh, first period. And the um, the Bulldogs uh, grabbed the one nothing lead, and and I looked over at a couple of guys up in the press box, and I said, if Denver loses this game, it's going to be on their goaltender. And Magnus must have heard me because from that Are point you forward, to him? he was unbelievable. I mean, he made some of the most uh, incredible saves down the stretch, and um, UMD wasn't out of it to the very end. They took a penalty with a minute twenty six to go in the game. They they uh, pulled their goaltender and they still put heat on for that final minute 26, um, basically five on five. So uh, give credit to the Bulldogs. Uh, somebody, I think it was Dave Starman that tweeted out today that the Bulldogs and the pioneers are probably have the most respect for each other of any teams in college hockey. And boy, was that evident because uh, both teams afterwards, both coaches couldn't stop talking about the other team. So uh, I, I was impressed by that, but Denver picked it up uh, from the third period, second or third period against uh, UMass Lowell, all the way through the Denver game. They were playing pioneer hockey, which is high speed, move it up the ice. I asked David Carl, I said, uh, against Duluth in uh, Minnesota at the frozen faceoff, they were trapping you along the boards. And he said, yeah, you got that right. He goes, and then we kept turning over on the boards. And I said, but tonight, you moved it up the boards, forced them to go to the boards to to try to stop you, and then you had somebody open in the middle of the ice and you used your speed. And that's exactly what they did. It, it could have been worse, um, and it could have gone either way. So, anyway, Denver's moving on. Paul, yeah. your thoughts? Go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. You, were, you, you had something to say before I did, so go ahead. Oh, I was just oh. – I think the, the audio yeah. delay is getting me. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just – I'll chime in real quick. Um I had a chance to go back and, and watch uh, some of the film uh, on this game. And oh, Scott, yeah, you're absolutely right. Denver came out flying. And you talk about a team that, 
as we as we discussed when we when we last saw each other in St. Paul that you know if these two teams were to meet again, uh, Denver's going to have a chip on their shoulder, and holy cow, did they ever! Um, you know, you, you talked about shot attempts ended up being ten to two for shots on net in that first period. Uh, you know, and UMD had they gotten to two nothing, I'm not sure Denver comes back in it because um, that's that's when UMD is really comfortable because they can just start to frustrate teams. Uh, Denver stayed in it again, tied it uh, in the first, uh, and then that go ahead goal, Carter Savoy, who. Oh my goodness! Uh, that that last name Savoy is going to be around not only the college hockey ranks but also the NHL ranks here, and in, in, in sooner than later uh, with this twenty second. Uh, but you also have to give a little bit of grief to the UMD power play. Uh, four straight power plays between the first and the second period uh, could get it done. Uh, mind you, Denver's penalty kill is one of the best in the nation. Uh, so if there's you know if you're going to chalk up to one area that Scott Sandlin will look at. Uh, that's will be their special teams in the power play. It's one that haunted them all year. It, it did pick up toward the end of the season, but uh, you talk about an opportunity loss. It was their special teams there to try to get this game even and try to force overtime. And you never know. Uh, UMB has been the, has had pretty good luck in overtime. Just uh, you know, ask North Dakota fans last year. Well, listen, uh, the the key was, and was, you know, uh, Darian got scores. Uh, about 15 minutes into the first period. And it doesn't linger. Cole Gutman scores about two and a half minutes later. So you don't have that period of time where you're like, are we ever going to score? Are we ever going to score against these guys? Are we going to get them to make a mistake? Are we going to get them to make a mistake? Um, And get that vampire feeling going throughout your head when you're playing against this team. You know, uh, if, if they don't score to tie the game two and a half minutes later. We also might be talking about something different and the way they approach the game going into the third period. Yeah, good point. Um, two things I think uh, happened offensively. Cole Gutman gets that goal, as you said, and, and breaks it loose. And from from the starting, uh, starting face-off, Cole Gutman put that team on his back. He's the captain. He willed them to a victory. Uh, David Carl made some really unique decisions on his lines, which he told me earlier in the year, he said, I'm playing guys in different spots. So if I need to in the tournament, I'll feel comfortable with it and they'll feel comfortable. Guess what? It was Cole Gutman, senior Ryan Barrow and junior Bobby Brink that started that game. And, and I think it caught Duluth by surprise. I, I, I don't think they expected Ryan Barrow there. And uh, he made his presence felt immediately. He went up and down the boards and uh, was racking up guys as he went. And, and Duluth was physical. So that was one thing. I think Cole Gutman just – and he turned out to be the most outstanding player of the tournament. So that says something on his effort. And the other thing was Carter Savoy is uh, – <laughs> I asked him a question in the press conference. I said, Carter, I've seen you score a bunch of snipe goals. This one wasn't really that. He looked at me and started laughing, and he said, no, this was a lucky bounce. And uh, that quote got passed around all over the place as lucky bounce Carter Savoy. But let me guess, um, I don't believe Carter Savoy is going to be a pioneer next year. I think he's going to be an Edmonton Oiler. And if you put him with uh, those two guys in Edmonton and one named McDavid and one Dreisaitl, oh, he's going to score a ton of goals. He is going to score a ton of goals. You talk about a team that's only two lines deep. Uh, ask Edmonton the same question. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's why uh, they are where they are. Paul, your thoughts? Do we have Paul? He's on mute. I'm on mute because <laughs> it happens. Um, are they going to sign 55 goalies, Edmonton? Because the last time I checked, scoring goals was not their problem. Uh, no, I didn't say that. I just said no. Carter Savoy is going to score a bunch of goals. They're, well, they're not going to ever find team, a goaltender. but Everybody on the team scores goals. So. Yeah, but Carter Savoy is going to score a bunch. Now, oh, goodness. Now, they're going to play against um, Michigan in the in, – in, in, two weeks and let's just say Michigan does not play the same defensive style that Duluth plays. And I know we'll have a thousand hours to talk about this, but if you like eighties Edmonton Oilers hockey, you're probably going to see it in that game. Um, most, you know, Michigan uh, was, was a bounce away from, from going to overtime tonight. That's ridiculous. They're going to have their hands full with Denver. And the reason for that is what I've been saying all year. Denver's depth is is so good that I don't know if Michigan's fourth line can keep up with Denver's fourth line. And I know Coach Mayot will, will disagree with me on this because he thinks he, Michigan's got the best goaltender of the four. But um, okay. uh, Magnus Cronus pretty stellar when he's focused and the problem is how do you get magnus focused because the first goal that uh, Duluth scored um was one that he went to or the goal that Duluth scored i should say um was a uh it, it came from the point and i think it looked like he was anticipating a tip and it was not tipped it just went straight by him and that's why i said that's the focus part of it again well i am not one of those that is silly. I, I listen. I, I'm not one of those that is silly enough to put on that kind of equipment and stand in front of that vulcanized <laughs> rubber. So, um, but at the same time, I don't understand goaltending anymore because these guys play on their knees. It's like they're in there. It's like they're in my basement playing with a mini stick, and uh, they they play basically from their knees. So, Nick, you got something on that? <laughs> So I have been dumb enough to strap on a pair of uh, goalie pads recently, actually. So there's a, uh, there's a, there's a city Southeast of Minneapolis uh, named Egan. And uh, there it's a, usually an adult skate that I've, I've gone to quite often. And they actually have a house set of pads. Now, if I, if something is loose in my head, which usually that's when, what happens when I make these decisions, <laughs> or if there's no goaltenders present, I'll just go, Hey, what the heck? Right. And I'll scrap, I'll strap on the pads and, uh, it's it's interesting how we as you know watchers and viewers of the game will watch a goaltender and say, oh, why didn't he read that two on one or you know that was shot all the way or he was totally passing. When you're in the crease and you're actually watching the play come in front of you, I'll tell you what, it's it's they make it look so easy with their angles and covering the net. I mean, it's let's just say that uh, my save percentage wasn't great. <laughs> it's a, it's a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, no, so I'm just saying that the the these guys go down. I I realize this is not the 50s and stand up goalies, but you know you got to stay up a little bit. That's... Yeah, it's 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 you know the butterfly style. Um, 
you know, and I don't have to tell both of you, you know, it's, it's the game of percentages, right? You're trying to take up as much net as you can. And, um, you know, the game has changed that way. Um, and that's why you're also seeing goaltenders now at six, five, <laughs> six, four, if they're going to get an NHL shot, because when they, when you're down in that butterfly, they want your shoulders to be at the crossbar height. I mean, look at Andre Vasilevsky and, right. you know, the, the length that he possesses and, Grant, you know, granted for being six foot seven, he's athletic as someone that's five foot seven. It's insane how much athleticism he has. Uh, but with that, you know, you can move left to right faster. There's just more net you can cover. So it's it's almost like if if you're if you're not doing well as a center in basketball, strap on some goalie pads. You'll be just fine. There you go. <laughs> uh, that was a great transition into the goaltender, as Paul Hornstein would say, in the tournament. That being Dryden McKay and. Uh, he just did what Dryden McKay does, and and Minnesota State does what they do, uh, only allowing 23 shots. He saved them all. He gets a one nothing victory. They look to Nathan Smith to uh, to get the only goal, and they make it hold up. And now the matchup that that I've been waiting for in this Frozen Four is going to happen. It's going to be Minnesota Minnesota State. Paul, kick it off with uh, with your man Dryden. Well, listen, like you said, they do with the, they they are. Um, the not sexy team in this Frozen Four. Oh, Mike Hastings is throwing darts at you. Mike I wants to be sexy. So <laughs> am I. Um, I. Listen, I want them to win. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm big. I've had them number one all year. So you, no one can say that Homer I have not been on the Minnesota State bandwagon. But they don't have the 95 first round picks like Michigan does. They don't have the 12 NHL picks like that other maroon and gold team has. Um, Denver is loaded with those top-end picks. Minnesota State has the, 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 their picks and their players that are high-end players like Nathan Frank. I mean, like Nathan Smith. But, you know, they are, for lack of a better term, compared to these other teams in these last four teams, the workmanlike team. Hundred um, percent. Minnesota State is, you know, sort of that, you know, pull up your bootstraps and grab your lunch pail type team. But to me, that's you know some of the more dangerous teams out there. And mind you, we could have the argument about the conference they play in, the CCHA, and you know I, they've proven everybody so far up to this point that that hasn't been any sort of a, a letdown. Or sort of you know a, a, a straw holding the you know the horse back at all, uh, mind you, these guys were putting up against some opponents six to eight goals a game and only allowing one, and maybe if Dryden even lets in one. So their offense has been there too. Yeah, you don't have the high end skill. You don't have you know like your um, you know your your Brissants or your your Maddie Berniers and your front you don't have no one powers on your back end, uh, but they've got Dryden McKay. Um, and to me, uh, this team up and down the lineup, both forwards and D, that's left. They're the only team beside Denver to me that's actually balanced throughout their lineup. And uh, the one thing that I've seen is, you know, they can win games, yes, by a margin, but they can also win those tightly contested games. Again, one to nothing against Notre Dame, a, a very tough defensive team in the, in, the, in the Fighting Irish. And so they've won multiple different ways. Uh, so to me, Minnesota State still, although not the, the sexy, shiny new toy, uh, they're the ones that, uh, you know, to me, just they've shown that they can get it done and um, they're going to have their hands full against the Gophers, no question. But I still feel like they're uh, that depth, especially, is going to match up real well against the Gophers' depth. 
Well, in case anybody's forgotten, they, they won two at UMass. They split uh, preseason tournament with they beat Providence and lost to Michigan. Right? Um, they swept, by the way, in a home and home Duluth. So, and, and now they've beaten Harvard and Notre Dame in the tournament and are 37 and 5. There are not too many teams in college hockey that get the 37 wins. No, that is a fact. I will uh, attest to that, that um, that that number is uh, very, very impressive, no matter where you play and how you play. Um, okay, so let's jump to this Minnesota-Western uh, game. It's 3 nothing. Um Was it really that close even, guys? I didn't have the chance to see much of it, but I, I, did, I just didn't think – I mean, I thought Minnesota just was dominant from the start, from what I saw. Well, Minnesota yeah. was dominant in the first period. There's no question. And in the second period, I think Western got their legs and was, was if not the much better team, right there. But then they take that penalty. Ten seconds in, Ethan Frank takes a penalty. Ten seconds in, and 20 seconds later, it's 2 nothing, And it just took all the air out of the Western Michigan sales. Um, I, I don't, they weren't the same team after that. Um, you know, even though the shots on goal might say different, um, and the shots themselves might say a little bit differently, just as you're watching the game, you don't get that same feel after that power play goal. You're just kind of like, um, just sitting there and like, you can only say in your head so many times, well, they scored four goals a game during the season. <laughs> yeah. Nick, your thoughts? I mean, he nailed it 100%. Um, Western Michigan is not a team that's built to come back. They just don't have the depth, as you and I have alluded to, Scott, uh, in terms of up front. Now, as good as a season as Ethan Frank has had, uh, you know, and even Josh Pohl, who's got a lethal side, uh, Passholt, Josh Passholt. I mean, you take those three out of the out of the mix, and there's just there's just really nobody else there that you can put out there, rely on, and say, "Go get me, go get us on the board," and you know, try to swing momentum back the other way. Uh, so, as uh, you know, as you alluded to, 100. You know, when that second goal comes in, uh, it's two nothing against a, a very good, talented Minnesota squad. Uh, they knew it. They knew it. And it was as I watched back the clip, too, you could see that they knew that this mountain became twice as high and uh, the way that the golfers have essentially since Justin close became the starting goaltender, I've really rallied around the defensive side of the puck. Um, and a- after that, it was just, it was over. Um, you know, you not very many good grade A's. Yeah. They stuck with it. Yeah. They tried to, you know, up the physicality a little bit, but just nothing in terms of getting good chances to the net and uh, Minnesota shuts them out. Let's move on to uh, Michigan Quinnipiac. Um, Michigan can score goals, we know that, um, but scoring goals on uh, Mr. Peretz, I mean, uh, I don't think he had his best tournament, uh, his best couple of games. Is that just a, a sign of playing in the regional or what? Let's start with Nick. You know, it's it's a little bit of two things, right? So when when. 
first of all, you know, before I get myself in trouble here, um, you know, for, <laughs> for, for St. Cloud, right. You know, and, and this is no excuse by any, by any means, but that is a much different contest. And I think the Huskies win of David Rennick's in that. I have, I have, I really do think that's a much different contest. There was three out of five goals that when Pax uh, Jackson caster that uh, I think he, when he watches film and probably knew it when they went in that he would like to have back. Um, but you know, the goals, the rebound control for Peretz when I watched him in that game was not great. Uh, a lot of second, third chance opportunities. And, you know, they're not kicking into the side. He was kicking him straight out into the slot. Uh, so it wasn't his best tournament. Um, and, you know, strangely enough, despite giving up four straight first and second period, you know, Quinnipiac responds and made it a one goal game. Uh, so even though it wasn't great, uh, you know, he still was able to essentially carve out and at least regain himself to give his team a chance. Uh, but no, I agree with that, Scott. I don't think Peretz looked particularly good. Uh, as, you know, and unfortunately, it, it comes at the wrong time against the wrong opponent. What well, a weird, what a weird game! What an absolute weird game. Michigan scores early, right, and they pile up to get a power, they get a power play goal, they get a shorthanded goal, take a four nothing lead, and you're like, okay, well, this is done and I mean Quinnipiac is a good team they are an absolutely good team and they get a goal make it 4-1 you're like yeah you know it's hard to shut somebody out it's a good team and all of a sudden now uh, they get another one and it's 4-2 you're like alright maybe and now they're starting to kick Michigan's butt all over the ice But you're still like, eh, it's Michigan. They you get four. It means they got to get five. And and sure enough, and we're still midway through the third period. Quinnipiac makes it four to three. And you're like, holy smokes, what in the hell? <laughs> and, and then it ends up seven four. Well, it's easy to second guess Rand Pecknold now because they had been dominating the third period and they pulled their goalie with four minutes left. They had an offensive zone faceoff. They win the faceoff, but they make a bad pass at the blue line and against, you know, guys that are this you know, this fast and this good. Um, they're, they're not missing a whole lot of those empty nets. And Michigan now goes up five to three. I, uh, the guys in the booth said it, you know, as it was happening, this is definitely to me, it's, you know, you, pulling a goalie with four minutes to go down one. Uh, I don't, who the hell am I to talk? I mean, I'm not Rand Pecknold, but. Well, here's here's what I think happens when you pull the goalie. And this is what I've seen all year long is that um, is sometimes it'll work in your in your favor because the other team, like I saw this with, with Denver. Denver was flying around the ice. All of a sudden, the goalie's pulled, which you should open up your eyes and go, that's an empty net. And instead, 
they go into a shell and they try to have five, six goaltenders on the ice instead of instead of just doing what they do. All they had to do was poke a loose puck and they had an empty net goal. But uh, so a lot of teams jump into that shell, which is just horrible because you can ask any goaltender what they'll tell you is uh, 11 skaters on the ice makes it really difficult. Ryan Fanti said that um, the other day. He said, 11 skaters on the ice, anything can happen. It can go off a shin pad, a skate, an arm. It can go off anything and get by the goaltender. So, And everybody does that. They go into a shell and try to protect the goal. That's a goaltender's job. You go out there and, and chase the puck and, and try to get in the way out front, and who knows, maybe you get a breakaway and score a goal. Well, okay. yeah, but I mean, <laughs> like I said, I, I, I am not a big fan of pulling the goalie so early with a two-goal lead, let alone uh, a one-goal, or down two goals, let alone down one. Um, and I, I don't, can't remember, certainly not in a playoff game, a, a coach pulling a goalie that early in a one-goal game. Do you, Nick? No. Um, and, it, you know, it's, you're always going to second guess this decision, obviously when it doesn't work in your favor. Right. But uh, you know, it's almost, if you read between the lines, right. And, you know, obviously we don't know what's going through, uh, you know, the coach's head when you, when you make that, but it's almost like, just like Scott said, you know, you're almost trying to flip a switch. I mean, Patrick Waugh started this trend about a decade ago now, effectively, you know, and to me, it's, if you can trick a team, to go into just laying back and, you know, covering space and trying to take away lanes. I mean, uh, that's what AIC's game plan was against Michigan. It wasn't, they weren't chasing the puck. They were just in a shell, basically a blocks plus one. And you know what? They gave Michigan fits too. We thought that that would be what, seven to one, eight to one. It was, we thought, okay, this might be an ugly game. And it wasn't. No, um, it wasn't at all. So sometimes, you know, when you give somebody else a different look, and despite all the talent that Michigan has, and you know that's the other part of it is with the with the skill that Michigan has, especially in the back end and the forwards end, and with the IQ that a lot of these kids possess, you would have thought, okay, can they read this, or are they going to back off? And they did. And unless you're Patrick Steffen, you're not going to miss an empty net, uh, you know, too often. So, uh, you know, it's it's <laughs> yes, I, I had to get that name out there in this situation. Yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's one of those where if it works and you tie it up, you're going to, you're going to be labeled as a, you know, a genius and, you know, an innovator, it doesn't work here. And, and you know, like both of you are wondering, I'm wondering myself too, you know, was that sort of the mindset was to maybe catch them off guard, get them like too early, but does that send the wrong message too? Does that also mean you weren't confident in a tight contested game five on five and you were trying to, you know, swing the, the pendulum your way, you know, a little bit differently. Maybe, I don't know, Scott, I don't know if that's what you think, but that's kind of what it rubs to me is you know, you're, you're trying almost like, you know, that, uh, that, you know, statue of Liberty playing football or, you know, sort <laughs> yeah. of the, uh, you know, something like that where you're trying to get an advantage or, you know, a fake field goal, something to, uh, you know, to get yourself ahead. And is that how you read it? Yeah, I I hope that's what it was because uh, pulling your goaltender early against a team like Michigan is uh, kind of like shooting yourself in the foot because they have so much talent. And if there's, you know, with the NHL skill that they have on that roster, um, 
it just takes one poke and they're gone and they will finish it. So uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was shocked at that as well. Uh, that was a very good point you brought up, Paul, that uh, that was way too early in most cases. And you know, I hate to second guess because it's easy for us sitting on the couch to, to second guess, but goodness gracious. I mean, you, you were playing them pretty solid. Like you said, it was four, three at one point. Um, why not give them a little bit more of a chance to, uh, to get going because the chances of you scoring twice to tie it, um, yeah, that that's highly unlikely. Well, I, I, I'll give uh, Rand Pecknold credit. His team did win the faceoff. It was a pretty clean win. So, you know, and they had been controlling that previous, you know, 15 minutes of the game and pretty easily. But it just, to me, um, but but here's the thing, Paul. Uh, winning a faceoff in that in that position is great, but you got to realize who you got on the ice that you're going against. That if they lose the faceoff, they can still get that puck back relatively easily yeah, uh, when they're when they're that skilled. So, okay, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back and let's uh, dig into these two matchups that are going to be uh, April seventh and a championship game on April 9th. We'll do that in uh, about three minutes. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you, wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or behindthemask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at behindthemask.com. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing we love going to the rink and sandals now you can show off your game in style with summer skates officially licensed summer skates are comfortable washable and can be designed to show off your fandom phil kessel your guy big william carlson fan or is austin matthews the man 
have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live. Indeed it is. Welcome back in to College Hockey Southwest Live. Scott Strandy with you in Centennial, Colorado tonight. Our three-headed monsters, Paul Hornstein out on Long Island, New York, and Nick Maxson is back with us from um, somewhere in Minnesota where it's uh, 10 degrees now, Nick. <laughs> 11 if you count you know the point nine. <laughs> oh, okay i turned the air up so i'm feeling comfortable here guys it was 77 we didn't hit the record it was supposed to hit a record 80 today but it only got to 77 so i still needed to turn the air up just a tad paul how you doing i hate you that's simple <laughs> enough <laughs> uh, you know no i hate him <laughs> Uh, okay, so it's not 77 on the island. It is not. Okay. Okay, so let's let's break this down. Um, All right, hold on a second. Before we get started here, before we delve into whatever you're going to drive us into, uh, as long as we got a TV guy here, and I know Nick has done some radio too, okay? Um, they have the Final Four coming up next weekend in basketball. Um, I believe in what basketball. <laughs> oh. yeah, I don't watch the basketball. You, you'll see the point here in a second. Um, it's Kansas and whoever. Remy Martin, man. Villanova. That's what Villanova. I do know. Okay. Remy Martin. Um, that's one matchup. And North Carolina and Duke are the other matchup. Oh, boy. Is there any question which is going to be the second game in that doubleheader? No, without no, having seen the not. schedule, there is not. Uh, do we know the schedules in hockey? Well, that is my point. If I'm reading this correctly, and this is, and I don't know if this is, I would assume it's got to be from the NC, straight from the NCAA, because one of the major websites has the schedule out here, and it's got the Michigan Denver game scheduled as the first game. And that makes absolutely no sense. ESPN, what are you doing? How does how does that make sense from an eyeballs perspective? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to get at. That's what I was going to get at. Yeah, the the West, Denver, the West is best. (laughs) Forget that. That means didn't get to start with that. I know. I know people it. in Denver and, have to watch a game at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it's going to be ugly, and that's the point that I was getting at. Not only watching it, but this may be the least attended NCAA Frozen Four ever. Well, I don't because, know about that. The tickets are sold. Yeah, but yeah. Well, okay, okay. Well, they, that's, they, they they're going to they're going to make the money. I'm not going to say that. But I, I don't know who's going to be there. I mean, you're going to lose a lot without having the green and white team there. And you know who well, I'm talking about. Because uh, they undoubtedly have the best fan base in all of college hockey, and I don't even think that's close. Um, 
Best and is a strong Go word. get him, Nick. Go get him. I'll just sit back and listen. <laughs> Well, what I'm saying is numbers wise. I mean, they have 11,000 plus at every one of their games because they can. Um, they have nothing else to go to. What, what else do you expect? It, exactly. Oh. I agree. I agree. I'm not going to argue that because it is the only game in the state of North Dakota and South Dakota when it comes to hockey uh, so now. far. Let's go, Augustana. <laughs> yes. But anyway, it, it's going to be hard. This is Boston, Massachusetts. I talked to a lot of people, including my guest last night from Denver, and I said, how many people do you suppose are going to go from Denver? And he said, you know, I, I don't know a lot that are going to go from Denver, but what I do know is the Denver alumni are all over the place, and they are the ones that are going to be there, and they're the ones that have probably bought tickets already and have their tickets ready to go. So uh, I guess that's the case, but boy – to have this much talent in one building for uh, for two games, uh, that should be like an NHL sellout. It should be. It should but, be. You know, there, but it so won't. There, it won't be. And, and here's, I'll give you some insight. We talked about this the first time I came on, Scott, with the uh, the NCHC and the the rights fee. Um, it's not like ESPN, at least from what I can see, is looking the best possible airtime to put these games on then we're looking at a dotted schedule going okay where can we fit these guys in it's a let's just be honest it's a niche sport right um you know it's is is it growing sure um but until we get coast to coast meaning more teams west of the mississippi where this is going to really put us you know a stake in the ground for lack of a better phrase to where these major networks, aka ESPN, will actually have to look at the schedule much more in advance and say, we need to get these in prime time. We're just not there yet. Well, but it, even with the situation as is, Nick, right, you, the, you look at those five, those four teams, okay? Um, the, the Minneapolis market is a big market. It's not Denver. It's not Denver. Um, the Minneapolis market is a big market. It's still not as big as Detroit. Or Buffalo for that matter, which is, which is yeah. interesting. Okay. So you took this, the, the two schools from the bigger of the, the two biggest markets out of the four and you made them the early game. And one of those yeah, teams is insane. a mountain time team. It makes that's no insane. sense. I know it's insane. I, I don't it's get it. It's almost like you're like what different trying to shoot yourself in the foot. And what difference does it make? Because the games are going to be 5 p.m. and 8:30 p.m. Either way, what you know? How does that affect ESPN? Which team they put where? Except it just makes more sense. Like like you're saying, Paul, for eyeballs. If if Denver can watch the game at 6:30, uh, you're going to have a whole bunch more eyeballs than you're going to get at three o'clock. Of course you are. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's insane. I, I, I hope they fix it. I hope they do. Or I hope the website you're talking about has it wrong because, you know, it, and here's the deal. Minnesota has has its pride. Um, th they think that they should be the top dog, and we're going to see it uh, when we get out there. They uh, The only one that gets it right is Eddie Christian, who calls him the little M because Michigan <laughs> was there first, and they're the big M. Um, but you know what? Uh 
you got to you got to look at, at something realistic, and you hit it on the head. It's, it, there's only one team from the Mountain Time Zone. They should be as late as possible. Yeah, it just it doesn't make, and you know it's not like it, it's it. And there's no disrespect to Denver, obviously, but it's not like you have Denver playing. I don't know, Michigan Tech. No, I mean, both matchups are good. So, Nick, back to you on the TV side of things. Uh, is there any reason why ESPN couldn't just flip those games if that's, in fact, how they're planning it? They could flip it, you know, because yeah, the, the time slots are, are already right. there, right? Because that's at the end of it. Once you have the time slot, however you fill it is however you want to do with it. I, I I don't know if this is an NCAA thing in terms of seeding. Because um, I think, isn't that how they do this? I think it's it's seeding because Bob Matsko last year had a fit about, you know, being the the, the, the the higher seed and having the shorter turnaround time. I don't know, you know, yeah, but, at the end of it. But there's, uh, a, there's a two-week break in between here. There's there is no a two-week break. About, I know. There's just no worry about that now. I just I wonder if this is coming from the NCAA side, you know, because the way I see it, if I'm ESPN, I flip it, you know, because you're going to, you know, your ad revenue or maybe your ad revenue is already bought and sold and you could really, you know, care, you know, you've already done this, you know, you just wipe your hands and you go home. I, I don't know. But to me, if you're trying to maximize the eyes on the product, you flip them. So I think the bigger question is who's actually in control of which matchup goes where and that I, I still think the NCAA does have that that say in it although I could be wrong well listen it wouldn't be the first time that the NCAA screws things up <laughs> <laughs> commentary by Paul Hornsey <laughs> he's not he's not wrong <laughs> no, no not absolutely <laughs> well here's the thing though I mean when you look at the brackets and I have them in front of me the official ones that came from the NCAA they clearly in the uh, semifinal games have the option of the top bracket being five or eight thirty, and the bottom being five or eight thirty. So that means if they, if they have that option, then you would have thought that the reasoning behind that would be for more eyeballs. And if more eyeballs means put Denver at six thirty, you have put Denver and Michigan at, at, at six thirty mountain time, uh, eight thirty Eastern, and you put Minnesota and Minnesota state, um, you know, I mean, what's at 4 p.m. for the Central. So it's not great, but but if that's your time slots, that's your time slot. So I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway, um, let, let's start with Michigan-Denver. Paul, your thoughts on that one? Uh, who wins that one, and, and what's it going to take for both of them to win? Uh, to me, it's you know me how I feel about predictions. So I know. I'm, I'm not asking um, for a prediction then. Let me ask you this. What does Michigan think, have to do to be successful, and what does Denver have to do to be successful? Nick will give me the prediction. Tell, I know that. The, 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 <laughs> the, the situation with this game is if both teams play their game, you know, you're, you're sitting here looking at a 6-5 game, a 7-5 game. I mean – I said nine eight, so we're on the same path. I mean, you just you just you look at the, the the kind of players that are on this team, that are on these teams. Once again, 
not knocking the other two, but these are super high-end skill players. And a lot of these guys are not going to be on this team, on these teams next year. There is going to be major departures. Well, certainly from Michigan. Teams. I don't know about Denver. I see maybe three. So, um, you know, all those first-round picks came back this year. I, I don't see too many of those guys returning. Um, does that play a factor in these? I don't know, probably. But I, I, I let's just say I don't see this game turning out to be one nothing. Okay, Nick, your thoughts? No, it's I know not. You'll give be... me a prediction. You'll give me yeah. a prediction, right? I'll give yeah, you something. Oh yeah. Uh, what Paul has right is this: this is not going to be a low-scoring affair. There's, there's no question. Um, is it going to be four-three, four-two, somewhere in there? I think the over/under maybe six or seven between the two, the two squads. Um, and I do think Paul is also correct that a lot of the players from Michigan, you're going to see some departures um, after the uh, AIC game. It was, it was asked of uh, a Brisson of you know you know, what, what his thoughts were on the tournament and, you know, why they came back and he just echoed it. You know, we couldn't play cause we were shut down to COVID and we all came back cause we wanted a shot at this. And so they're motivated, but that also tells me that say they get to a national championship game or even get to this point, which they've gotten to the regional, you know, the semifinal, if they fall short, whichever way, I do think a, a lot of teams in the NHL who, are also very cap strapped. Now, mind you, a lot of these players can't help them maybe this year, but next year. Um, with that squad, I, I just I don't see a lot of them sticking around. There's there's gonna be lured away. I don't think a lot of these players have more to develop after this. So with that being said, I think they're gonna give it their all. And I do think Michigan is gonna win this hockey game. Uh, I, I think that from top to bottom, now the, the question will be Portillo and Net, can he hold strong against, again, the toughest competition he's probably faced of yet this season. Um, and will Michigan, even at times in this past game, and even in the, the, the quarterfinal matchup against AIC, started to get a little lackadaisical. Um, even Mel Pearson, you know, he commented how we got a little, you know, off of our game plan and off our identity. And you could tell that the skill was, it, it was sort of just toying with the puck a little bit. So if they can, put together a 60 minute effort. That's a tough team to beat. So I, I think Michigan comes out on top. I'll say four or three, um, but it's going to be a close matchup and, and Denver will put up a hell of a fight. That's for sure. Well, I'll carry that chip you just took and, and put it right on David Carl's shoulder on a Tuesday. Cause that's exactly what he needs. It's another chip. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to go against you. I'm going to say it's a close game, high scoring affair, but I say Denver five, four, um, and Paul won't give us predictions, and we know that. Okay, uh, let's move. I just, I just, let's move. I'm, I'm digging through for my uh, scarlet and gold pom poms to get you, Scott. Don't worry. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to Minnesota, Minnesota State. Um, that one will be much tighter, I believe. Uh, and I believe the team that I think is going to pull that one out uh, goes to Dryden McKay because I think he has much more to prove, believe it or not, than the Gophers do. Um, I know they have high-end talent too, but they are really streaky. Um, when they're bad, they're bad. And when they're good, they're really good. But the one thing that's consistent in this matchup is Dryden McKay. Um, Nick, Dryden McKay versus uh, 
And I, and I hate to say that. Minnesota State versus Minnesota. So Dryden McKay versus Justin Close is what you're going for. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, fin- I'll finish the sentence for you. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, it, this is a matchup where if the Gophers can really just sort of be a suffocated offense, they have a chance. And for Gophers fans, do they want to see Matty Nyes one last time? Because, I mean, how many people expect him to stick around after this year? Not me. Not, no. <laughs> no. If you're Kyle Dupas and, and they've been, they shouldn't go after Matty Nice, you know, although he's been quite good this year. He's got everything. <laughs> yeah. They don't like goalies up there. I mean, have you not heard? No, they don't. Um, yeah, no, they don't. They're just like the, the pals out in there in Alberta. They're with Edmonton. Yep. yep. Um, but I, I just think that Minnesota State just plays – that workman style, um, they they love to just kind of almost like Duluth in a sense. When they're on the four check, they love to just you know get the pucks below the red line and they just grind and they just wear you down. Um, and when you guys you got guys like the Pradnik and Smith, just name a few, uh, you know that can put the puck uh, the puck in the back and that a really good mobile defenseman, Akito Hirose, um, you know it makes life pretty easy for Dryden McKay. And if there's any game plan to go against Minnesota state. And that is to spend in, you know, time in the offensive zone. If I think if you can wear down the Mavericks and not necessarily with shots on net, but just possession time in the offensive zone. Uh, I think that there is a chance there because Minnesota has got the offensive talent. Um, and, and like you said, Scott, if Minnesota can keep composed and you know, what hurt them in the big 10 championship game was, you know, they, they got a, a bad bounce an own goal. Uh, but after that, they just seem to be completely astray from everything structurally, defensively. They just talk about shooting themselves in the foot. They looked at it and said, "No, that's that's cute." And they shot themselves again. And so, if if you so who do I you mean, got? I, I've got <laughs> I've got the Mavericks in this one, and I will say three to one. McKay will not get a shutout in this game. It'll be one empty net goal, and it'll be the Mavericks going on to the national championship game. Nice one, Paul. Well, let's 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 say this because. I also don't. I also don't want to make it sound like uh, Minnesota State can't score. It's seven guys in double figures and goals, and another guy with nine goals. So that's also some balance to go along with the great goaltending. So it's not like they can't put the puck in the net and have guys that can do it. And 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 I don't want to make it sound like. Um, they're just going to, you know, put McKay out there and say, um, yeah, okay, uh, we're not going to help you. We can't score, um, so you're going to have to shut them out. They do have players mm-hmm. that can put the puck in the net. So, I, I didn't – if I portrayed it that way, I didn't mean to portray it that way because – Well, I wanted to make sure I'm people just, didn't – I'm just saying that Dryden McKay has the ability every time he goes on the ice to put up a zero. Right. And I if, just, you, if you know that as a, a forward on the Minnesota State team, uh, that takes a lot of pressure off of you and of gets course. you a chance to free wheel. I just don't think that they're going to be able to, to blow by like a, a Denver or a Michigan would, and that's why I think it'll be much closer. I think uh, Minnesota State wins as well, but I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go four-one. You know, I just my, no. My point is, I didn't want anybody to think that I don't think they can score. Yeah, yeah, true. I know, um, I know that. I know you, you know what they got and, offensively. Nathan Smith and, is a player. 
And the fact of the matter is that um, they're not going to want a free wheel against Minnesota. There's not. They're going to play their – They you would think that they're just going to play their game and do what they do, keep the structure, keep themselves in position, and, you know, make the moves when they have to. Well, I'm going to say good news for Minnesota State. I don't think Nathan Smith is going to go this year because uh, his option now is going to Tucson. And uh, he'd probably stay one more year for that. Uh, yeah, we can. We, 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 I, I would stay. I would stay. Too. I mean, we're not even or, or he could go play in that brand new facility that the Coyotes are going to be playing in in Tempe. They're going to their brand new home in Tempe. They're Tempe bound, the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no. I had to get that in there. I'm, I'm sorry. Sure. That was By the way, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, I know they do the various biddings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If they were really, if the NCAA was really worried about attendance, they, they, they can just have a rotating schedule of frozen fours and play them in Tampa and play them in Vegas and – Play him. I don't know. Try one in friggin' New Orleans. I don't know. Um, well, Tampa's next year. Yeah, I I know, and they're kind of in the rotation. But if you're worried about it on a regular basis, that know. that's a problem. They're not. They they don't worry about it. They they might now because David Carl alluded to this that it cost them more money this year because of that uh, that day off. Teams like uh, Denver stayed. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They didn't come home till today. So uh, th- there's some extra costs involved. So maybe maybe that'll make them think a couple of times about um, doing this. But, yeah, you're, you're 100% right, Paul. They, they should get a rotation, warm weather sites. I mean, if Arizona hadn't uh, bit the dust with uh, Gila River, that was a perfect location for a Frozen Four. Vegas is certainly – a great destination. Tampa's a great destination. Nick, what do you want? Where do you want them to play? Tampa, I like uh, Vegas. That's going to be something special when that gets there. Um, just because, I mean, just speaking from the Knights of just how much that community is captivated uh, and really have got in and, and just really gotten control of that of that community. It's it's been actually very fun to see um, those two. Uh, to me. If you're, I mean, how, why not Sunrise? Why not go out to Miami? That's fine. That's fine. You know, why not there? Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm, you get the point, though. Well, yeah. I, I the other place that I think now that there's an NCAA team there is, it won't be long till St. Louis is putting their bid in because they'll want to play it at the Enterprise Center. And uh, to me, um, that that is almost the perfect destination for travel because it's right in the center of the country. It's equal for everybody. I mean, you know, Tampa's going to be a struggle for people in the West. Boston certainly is. is. It never Uh, is. They make so much money. No, I know. But these things go to Tampa. I know. I know they do. But I'm saying is those are people that are just going there for the fun, the fun of it. They're not, they're not true hockey people. Probably Mm -hmm. they're, they're going like, Hey, it's in Tampa Bay. Let's go. Just like they would be in Vegas or whatever. But uh, true hockey is going to happen in St. Louis. And hey, St. Louis, they have it. Isn't 2025 
Yeah, they, I think they, they're in the rotation. Yep, they're in the rotation. Yep, that's what I'm saying. That's. I'm just, uh, that's... I'm just saying, if you're worried about teams, uh, you're, you're worried about the attendance in a building. You can you can mitigate that if you really wanted to. Like I said, uh, you want to rotate it between Tampa, Miami, and Vegas. I don't know. How about L.A. too? Right? Yeah. This and you want to sit there and tell me that this is about the tourist. Yes, it is. That is the point. Yes. I, I want to go to L.A. after spending six miserable months in <laughs> well, come to Denver weather. at 77 here today. Up yours. <laughs> uh, but you know what? To, to Paul's point, he's absolutely right. You know, if you want to continue to grow the game, you've got to attract the casual fan or maybe the non-fan and just say, hey, there's something in town to do. And it's Let's go. 90 degrees outside in Tampa. Let's go cool off and. You know, you can expose some people to that and, and why not, right? You know, why yeah. not? So, and, you know, if, if some of the, some of the rumblings we're hearing about some makings of some, some more teams possibly coming into college hockey, uh, you might see that. You might see LA become a destination. And I think that would open up the doors to a lot more out there in the West Coast too. Well, I'll tell you, there'll be a lot more teams coming in on the West side than there will be in Florida. Well, you're missing the point. No, I'm just I'm just joking. I'm just saying that uh, <laughs> if you're talking about where college hockey teams are going to spring up, there's going to be a ton more on on the western half of the United States than there are in uh, in the Florida region. Yeah, but by the way, just so you know, they are actually building a campus rink at the University of Georgia, which gets about two or three thousand for their ACHA games, and they're D two. Is that legit? Two or two or three thousand though, because the, the U of A says they get six thousand, and they get about six hundred. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just telling you that they they decided to build a rink on in campus. So yeah, good idea. But again, that's not Florida; that's Georgia. Anyway, hey, have the have the Cowdies reached out to see if they could play there? They probably have. <laughs> they probably oh, have. ouch! 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 Uh, I, I think we better leave it go on that one, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nick. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't be a stranger. You're welcome anytime. Uh, I know you're a free agent now, and the big dollars are going to be rolling in, and the offers are coming in soon. So uh, best of so. luck in, in your future because uh, you, you've got the, the knowledge, the uh, voice, and uh, certainly the personality to uh, to do this job. So hopefully that uh, play-by-play comes along sometime, and who knows? Maybe there'll be an opportunity with us sometime. Well, who knows? Yeah, I know. I'm always happy to come on, especially as, uh, you know, even into the next couple of weeks for, for college hockey. So always happy to come on and, uh, and offer, uh, I can't say expertise because I don't feel like an expert, but, uh, <laughs> offer my, uh, offer my rumblings, you know, to those who are, you know, able, able to listen. Well, this is, I'll say this, um, these rumors that I guess you have floating around there, or uh, that you were talking about other teams we're gonna have to have that conversation um uh, somehow and 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 just kind of explore that a little bit because um people were talking about on twitter like how do you make these regionals sell more tickets and well i have my own ideas um and actually, the more I think about it, I, I, I think they're damn good. But that's just me. 
Well, well, the regional in Loveland was fantastic. It was right. uh, very well attended. I don't, I, I know Denver was there playing, but I think it would have been that well attended because I've been at Eagles games and, and those people up there love their hockey. Me too. And uh, there's uh, there's not a lot of AHL facilities that get that kind of a crowd night in and night out, weekday, weekend, doesn't matter. So congratulations to Loveland. Uh, congratulations to Michigan, Denver, Minnesota, and Minnesota State. It's going to be, if not the best, one of the best uh, Frozen Fours I've ever seen in 60 years. So uh, we'll see what happens when it all comes down on April 7th and 9th. Paul, take it away, and we'll say goodnight to little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, De Niro. From the Summer Skate Studios behind the mask, College Hockey Southwest Live on the IcetimeHockeySW.com network, brought to you by Burrito Express. Homemade taste, takeout speed, six East Valley locations. Go to BurritoExpress.com to find the one near you. Behind the mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. Peterson Toyota. Whether you're looking for your dream car or shopping on a budget, we take the time to find the perfect Toyota to fit your needs at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue, Las Vegas style, available at all Allegiant Stadium events. And, of course, at our restaurant location at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard. By the NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV and catch all of the action the toughest conference in college hockey. Drury Inns and Suites, now an official Disney World hotel. Book your stay now for travel starting this October at DruryHotels.com. Jets Pizza. Go to JetsPizza.com to find your fresh deal at your nearest Jets location today. Metro by T-Mobile. Get exclusive offers by becoming part of T-Mobile Tuesdays when you switch to Metro by T-Mobile. Top Golf. Play some of the world's most iconic golf courses without packing a suitcase. Find out how. See your local Top Golf Center or go to topgolf.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos worldwide. It's where the action is in the resort or in town. And by M Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com to see which M Drive formula is for you. College Hockey Southwest Live, presented by Behind the Mask, and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Behind the Mask, College Hockey Southwest Live, and all of our weekly podcasts are a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. Uh, Nick, thanks again for uh, for spending some time with us. And uh, you know it, I'm going to be plugging you uh, next week as we start to really build up uh, we'll have a podcast schedule coming up for the uh, frozen four very very soon to everybody in the denver area you want to jump on board or anywhere basically in the west um 75 off our corporate partnership for the first 12 businesses that uh join us you can dm me you can uh, do whatever you need to do to reach me and uh, i will come to you and and get things worked out but um great opportunity to put your business out there in front also, a few things going. If you want to like us and uh, donate uh, to the show on uh, uh, the uh, Aya <laughs> Podbean.com app, um, got a great idea. I'm going to send some um, I- ITHSW podcast pucks to people that make donations on the uh, the Podbean app. So 
just another way to uh, to help us out, get us uh, rolling, and help us continue to grow the game of hockey all over the world. So thanks again, Nick. Thanks again, Paul. Good night, everybody. Tomorrow night it'll be uh, Jordan McAlpine and myself for Eyeballs and Analytics. And, boy, do we have stuff to talk about because it's not it's not the polls anymore, guys. It's the defections that are happening in college hockey. So Jordan and I will bring that all to you tomorrow. Have a good night. Good night. Good night.